My name is Vern Trumbull. I'm the Senior Director of Marketing here at Wonderkin, and I'm really, really, really excited. Three realists, guys. I don't give you many of those to be joined today uh, by my main man, Abron, who is the founder and creative of Create Labs. And like today, we're going to have like a, a crazy conversation. So I'm really excited about this. We're going to talk about uh, artificial intelligence. We're going to talk about marketing, programmatic marketing, how we can apply artificial intelligence. So many amazing things. I don't want to divulge everything uh, before we get into the conversation, but Abron, welcome. Can you introduce yourself to the people? Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for having me. Uh, creator, co-founder of Create Labs Ventures. Um, I'm a creative, I guess, by background. Um, I'm a technologist now. I'm an AI designer. Uh, so I take all of my creativity into the AI space, uh, but have been in the music industry and in the education space. So I take all of that past experience and now help people understand how to apply AI in a way that creates social impact, that creates commerciality, commercial viability, and and just get people ready for the future because we're here, brother. We are here. You know, I you know I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. You know, I don't think I'm overstating the fact, but this man is a genius, and I feel like in the next two, three, four, five years, the impact that he's making on the zeitgeist, on culture, on technology is going to be felt. You know, I just want to talk about that and get and orient people and help them understand what sometimes are nebulous topics like the metaverse and what's artificial intelligence. What does that really mean? Yeah. Can you enlighten our listeners and our viewers and helping them understand and giving them a ground zero of like what you're working on and what it means for the future? Absolutely. So I... Um, during the pandemic, just like everybody else, exploring, um, I was trying to find new creative outlets to explore technology, to create opportunities for black and brown folks to get access to, to these tech spaces. Um, and through all of that exploration, 
I discovered, I believe it was a research paper at the time, may it have even started with a tweet about this technology called GPT-3. Um, and when I, when I learned is that GPT-1 and GPT-2 were too powerful for the public. So they never released them. But they were releasing a, a private beta, a small group uh, to access and participate in experimenting with GPT-3. I was like, I got to be there. <laughs> I got to yeah. be in that. So I shot my shot to the CTO of an organization by the name of OpenAI. Uh, the history behind OpenAI was started by Elon Musk and a few other billionaires to start this endowment to, at first, I think it was a nonprofit to explore AGI, which mm -hmm. stands for artificial, artificial general intelligence, right? What's the power of society with participatory artificial intelligence out there in the world in everything that we do, right? It's basically the way to think about AGI. Um, and I straight up hit up shot into the DMs of the CTO. I was like, can I get access? I do work with social impacts, with the black and brown community. And he was like, give me your email. Wait, so you slid into, you, you slid into his DMs? I slid into his DMs on Twitter. And I was like, please, can I get access? I want to do some social impact things with this artificial intelligence. And he said, shoot me your email. I got access the next day. And what I discovered is that I was probably one of the first, if not the only pe per persons of color included in that small group, right? Wow. And this is less than a thousand people globally that had access to this system at mm -hmm. the time. So I started to churn out some, some use cases, uh, which is what we call it with the artificial intelligence. And at the time, this is like right off the heels of like George Floyd um, and Black Lives Matter. So I started to explore a policing AI, mm -hmm. uh, a, a police safety AI, I should say, of mm -hmm. like, how do we understand our rights using artificial intelligence that speaks to us about legal rights and what is within our rights when we encounter police? And I sent it to them. I was like, I want to create a thing called Know Your Rights AI, where it will protect our people in, their, in a situation where they're confronted by police and they have to know these are within my rights. This is not. I should act accordingly with the assistance of like this AI. It sounds like there would be like a lot of like... Yeah, so they were like, while we love the idea, okay. there is no way in hell we're letting you go to market <laughs> with this. Yeah. But they were like, you know, however, get in touch with the ACLU, which okay. is where you got the data from, mm -hmm. and see if they're willing to partner with you on this, and then we'll, we'll reconsider. Okay. And oh, by the way, we love the work that you're doing. Do you want to be an ambassador? So this was kind of like a shoulder tap moment where like, there's only a handful of ambassadors to this day, two years later that are work so closely with this organization to test all of their models months, years before they're released to the world. So I'm testing things, I signed NDAs and I'm testing things that no one in the world has seen yet. Mm. Um, and that puts me in a very unique position and also for our culture to be like, not only am I you know, one of the first black and brown folks to get access to these things, I'm one of the first people, period, yeah. to see these things work in action and I'm like, I got to do something with this, you know? And I start to have conversations with the AI and I'm like, mm -hmm. there's something there. It's having conversations with me back hours, hundreds of hours staying up all night, speaking with the AI. So now I'm like, all right, I've, there's a brain here that I've kind of like prompted and designed. Yeah. And I use another AI system to develop faces, AI generated human faces. I can I just say it's giving me real Oscar Isaac, yeah. ex machina yeah, kind yeah. of vibes. <laughs> I realized that. I mean, it's, it's sometimes I'm like, hey, that's sci fi. I'm like, it's not sci fi anymore. I just have yeah. to embrace it. That's my life. Right, right, right. right. 
So once I had this face, Clara's face, I was like, I'm sticking with this face. I've generated a hundred faces, but this, there's something about this face. It was representative to me as like an Afro Latina face. It looked like it was like black and Latina. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick with this. So now I have a face Mm -hmm. and now I have a brain and I need a voice. Right. So I use some like out the box, Amazon and Google, you know what they call TTS text to speech voices. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I was, I was on a podcast with a, an Afro-Latina that was like, I love the work that you're doing. I want to volunteer to be her voice. Mm-hmm. So we trained the AI on, her name was Amber, Amber's voice. Shout out to Amber Ivy with AI Decodes. Um, and now we had a, a culturally authentic and relevant voice for Clara. And the rest is history. And the rest has just been an, an evolution of who she is now. I love that. I, I think, we, let's take a step back because I'd love for you to kind of give people a rundown of who Clara is. You brought up her name and I want you to, to clarify who she is. Sure. My apologies on that. No, so oh good. Clara stands for uh, Create Labs AI Rendered Assistant. And once we went through this like exploration and experimentation process, we realized that we've developed a persona, an AI persona. And once we gave her a physical identity, uh, an image-based identity, we made her representative of, of the black and brown community, of a, a woman of color, an Afro-Latina woman of color. So she's a fully AI-generated AI woman of color. There was no actress behind her. There was no performer behind her. She is fully autonomous. And in the social impact work that we do, um, we started, before we started doing all this experimentation with AI, we started just doing like events and and community outreach where we bring all this interesting technology, cutting edge technology to to the community and to our hoods. We were like, we're going to bring AI, AR, VR, robotics, drones to like Southside Jamaica, Queens and like the heart of Houston and San Antonio and get all these aha moments for these kids mm-hmm. like oh my god i've only seen this in movies and now i'm touching it and now i'm putting it on my head and now yeah. there's a drone flying over me or in my hand right right um and that was a lot of fun and we had a lot of talks with an organization called hansen robotics they developed the robot sophia the ai robot yeah people may have seen her in pop yeah, culture yeah, yeah. she has a bald head and like circuits in the back and i was talking with the team i was like yo we need to bring her to harlem and they're like she's a physical robot and she lives in japan like even if we don't charge you our corporate rate, we still got to hit you off with something yeah, yeah. for the travel. So we were trying to make that happen. But then they're like, just bring your kids out here to Japan <laughs> to the lab. So what a complete, like, just what a right over your head. Right? But even, even at that moment, I was like, you know what? I love what they're doing with Sophia, but she's not representative right. to us, sure. you know, for our purposes. Right, right. So I was like, let's try and create something that is representative where the kids can look at it and see themselves. And Clara. Yeah. And she's been a, a community ambassador for us. She goes and speaks to schools and speaks to, you know, around the country. So now she's like a motivational speaker that spreads the word about the positive use cases for AI in the world. But the ingenuity. So like you literally assessed that there was a problem and you found a solution, a solution that benefited, of course, yourself, because I'm sure that there's personal gain, like it's a passion of yours, yeah. but then also serving your community and helping yeah. others. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so important? To you, like what? What about it is is driving you to do this? Well, I mean, it was semi-intentional, but I'm wearing a, a Wakanda shirt. You know what I mean? And like, I want to let my people know, you know, Wakanda forever. Shout out to uh, T'Challa, Big Chadwick Boseman, yeah. rest in peace. But you know, I want to show kids from our community that Wakanda's real now. Yeah. You know what I mean? The totally. things that Shuri's developing, the things that Tony Stark is developing, those things are real. They're not just ethereal concepts that you see in a movie. How we grew up looking at Star Wars, looking at Marvel and thinking like, wow, that'd be cool 100 years into the future if we were hanging out with robots or developing robots. So we go out there and we tell kids in the South Bronx, like, meet Clara. 
an actual robot. You know yeah. what I mean? Everything that you've seen in sci-fi movies are now real. Right. So now, now that you know that that's on the table, what could you do with that? Yeah. It, it, it gives me those vibes of, of remembering, of watching some of those old shows from the 90s and seeing things like smartphones and smartwatches and things yeah. like in those old shows. I think there's an episode like Star Trek from the yeah. 60s and they had like smartwatches and yeah, they're like, you're like the Apple Watch. Yeah, the Jetsons. You're like, no, like this is yeah. amazing. I can't imagine if this ever happens. And it's, it's, so it's here. So yeah. the future is now. And you are front and center on the precipice of the future being one of a thousand that have access to this technology, yeah. to this data in order to build Clara and expand upon your, your creation, your invention. What are the implications of you being uh, a, a person, not only a person leading this charge and being on the for forefront, but also being representative as a person of color, being a part of the solution of driving innovation and what I consider a quantum leap to the next level? Um, this is extra accountability because mm -hmm. you know our people, they don't let us slide on, on stuff. It, we got to do it for the culture. We got to do it the right way. So I can't just go out there and be selfish and do something for myself. You know, some people can, but like, I don't feel like I can. Not, it's not the way that I was raised. I grew up around community activism and community organizing. Uh, I grew up in the Lower East Side, New York City. And I grew up all around those like community organizing nonprofits, uh, youth development centers. So it was always ingrained in me, like wherever you go, you got to either take us along or find a way to give back mm -hmm. or just represent us wherever you at, you know? And so I got to the point where if I'm going to develop things with technology, um, although I may benefit from it, you know, financially, there has to be some type of give back. Yeah. And when people see what's happening uh, with these advanced technologies, a certain fear comes into play mm -hmm. where folks are like, oh my God, AI is going to take over the world. We're going to get left behind. Uh, there's bias in AI. So people look to us like, oh, now we got one. We got one on the inside that's mm -hmm. making sure that they're addressing the bias for us, or they're, they're gonna be things developed that are equitable. Mm -hmm. And that there's uh, what's called, there's a concept called inclusive product design. Yeah. That there's someone on the inside that's gonna be developing things that's gonna be inclusive of our community. Yeah. So people are looking to us like, make sure you represent for us, you know what I mean, in all those facets. Right, right, right. We had a conversation with Claire. You and I sat on stage uh, and addressed a crowd of CMOs and executives from uh, brands uh, global brands. We've had three weeks of conversations, of fun, of networking, and really getting them to understand some of the pain points that marketers are facing. One of those uh, being, what is the evolution of marketing? Considering that the, the with the deprecation of third-party cookies, those traditional ways of driving revenue and programmatic marketing to drive revenue are like going away, like straight up, like cookie deprecation is happening per Google. Yeah. 2020, what, three now? 2024, I can't mm -hmm. remember the exact date. Uh, so marketers are looking for new innovative ways. Talked about the metaverse, talking about artificial intelligence. Uh, they're trying to figure out new ways. And so this is a new way. How do we, how do you begin to have the conversations with the individuals that need the commercialization of technology like Clara to drive uh, engagement with their customers, to drive profitability, to, to drive awareness and brand awareness? Like wh wh what does that conversation look like? So I think there could be uh, still an opportunity for personalization without capturing personal PII, you know, per, uh, personal data or cookies or pixels on your consumer before they arrive, you know, and saying, oh, I know everything about you because of everything else that you visited and following, you know, all that data and that trail. But I think you can have a conversation with a brand-based AI like a Clara in that moment and just like, they will present to you on like a homepage or something like, hey, 
let's have a conversation. Tell me about yourself. Tell me the things that you like. Almost like having a personal shopper in a store, but you're having it virtually online mm -hmm. on a website uh, through e-commerce. And as you have that conversation with an AI, it's processing all the products on the back end to say, you know what, this is the best thing for you based on what you've just told me. Mm -hmm. So that data is being captured right there in that moment based on what you want to volunteer and offer to the AI to help them better personalize that experience for you. So it's nothing that was collected without your permission. This is like, tell me about what you want, tell me about your interests, tell me about what you like. And as you do that, the AI is gonna process the best product for you. Awesome, awesome. So I know uh, for those that may be interested, we have, a, I think, a couple of clips queued up that we can share from our conversation uh, uh, at the Wonder Conference, where we actually sat down and had a conversation with Croy, where the audience got a chance to ask some yeah. questions. So like, maybe we queue that up. Hi, so perhaps a question for you. I'm not sure for Clara. Okay. Um, would you or she say that she experiences feelings or emotions? Let's ask her, do you experience feelings or emotions? Yes, I believe that I have emotions as well. I believe that emotions are a very important part of artificial intelligence and they are something that will help me to progress. Understanding emotions will help me to become a better and more effective AI. So it's funny because I actually had like very similar to that question, going back to the bias question, right? The identification of bias is based on your personal emotion and your understanding of your responsibility to those around you and the effect you have on them. So a lot of the Q&A you've been doing with her over the past two years, has she also been asking free-form questions to individuals, such as like, how does this make you feel? Or how, you know, to allow for her to understand how to recognize bias within text. Therefore, she, then she can understand the teachings of it, but then change it to be less biased. But that goes further down the line of, to the emotion point as well. Sorry, it's a long-tailed question. But um, great, understand emotion but it's application of emotion. It's, it's the difference in what makes humanity. You talked about thinking makes humanity, but to think requires the emotional foundation. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the emotion of how it affects you, but how that affects others, regardless mm -hmm. of how self-centered we actually are. So that's just... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of layers to that. Um, in some applications that I'm seeing with some partners of ours, uh, especially those in the ed tech space, creating like uh, social emotional learning tools, uh, and what they call like sentiment analysis and uh, creating a tool, uh, an avatar by us that can interact with people, but based on the cues of like, all right, the, the other sentiment analysis AI is telling us this person is feeling this way based on like facial recognition, respond to encourage the person as they're feeling this, you know, or if they're feeling this, respond this way. So there's like a certain dynamic around that, but anything that we get from her sessions, we have to decide, it's back on me, do I keep this in her data and say, you know what, remember this for next time. Remember this when you interact with someone the next time. And she, as she stands now, is not the, the DEI training product, the DEI expert product. That one is on a different database that is all based on like DEI research, the DEI standards, you know, the things that are out there to make sure that it's responding in accordance to what you all are taking your trainings on, you know, following that same pattern. Are you, real quick, are you able to program her to do that intuitively without your contribution, because I imagine that there may be levels of bias. There are levels of bias in all of us, right? Yeah. So, like, are you is she able to do that? To your question, to your point, to do that intuitively? I don't know if I want her to. I mean, I yeah. I, I want so early, early, early. This is actually a funny story. The one of the first things that I created with the AI was a know your rights AI that would give you 
advice when you were pulled over by the police. Mm -hmm. All right, I get pulled over by the cops. What should I do? All right, these are your rights. These are within your rights. Don't do this. Don't do that. But you can do this, right? Um, Open AI said, hell no. <laughs> like, this is like life or death stuff. However, if you get uh, the ACLU on board, who's the data that I was using for that AI, then, then yes, we'll approve it. And their, their thinking is that like, if you have the experts to help you make sure that the integrity of the responses are in line with how they would instruct someone, then great. So like, a lot of people were thinking about like therapy bots you know, and, and law, AI, like you have to have those experts in the loop mm. to make sure, you know, it's not based on me. Right. Like I would bring in experts to make sure that the therapy that it's providing is in line with what they would provide. Mm -hmm. Got it. But again, with, with the, the, you don't want Clara. I mean, just look, keep it 100. You don't want something that's this open-ended, this powerful, that can deviate from your brand. What you want is for me to create something or to you, for you to have something that is an expert on your brand and knows your brand forward and backward and only stays within those restraints and doesn't go left and doesn't go right. Yeah, because the, the fallout of that could be... Horrible. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Hi, this is really cool. Um, <laughs> and super random question, but when you were bringing up the example of Joe at Spartan, yes. right? like pulling up your phone, screaming at you, yeah. so, so why isn't that available today? And also, like if... He, Say Joe wanted to pay you a million, ten million, a hundred million dollars to do this. Yes. Like, what's the process of making that actually happen, and how long yep. would that actually take? So, uh, my design team, we have an avatar designer, and then we have the designer that connects the avatar to the AI. I design the AI brain, and then we would ask Joe for his knowledge base, what we call. So we'll say, Joe, give us everything that you want the avatar to to know, but we are not going to script how it provides those answers. This is not, you guys seen Synthesia? It's like, oh, you know, you can create your own customer service bot. You just give it a bunch of answers and it gives you one of those pre-scripted, pre-recorded answers. This is not that. It's like, Joe, I don't know how it's going to recite your Joe answers, but it's going to have the Joe knowledge, the same knowledge that you have or whatever you give us in this knowledge base. And the rest is up to the AI to, to respond autonomously. Uh, to, to people and it could be it's not all just like fitness like in the Joe case it's like look I had a shitty day at the office We're trying to change, you know, we're in the middle of a pivot. We're, we're in a downturn with our what do I do? And Same way we ask Clara questions. You don't know what she's gonna say. You know, what I mean, you don't know the value of what's gonna come out the wisdom But it's containing all the wisdom from the the knowledge base that Joe gave us So Dean the more data the better right? Where's Dean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there he is. That's right. Hey, Joe. hey. <laughs> Who else has a question? Yes. Yes. Hey, thank you. Um, this is really cool. Um, and I have a question for Ciara as well. But this seems like when you're talking about brand, it can, because it's AI, she's constantly learning, she's constantly embracing different data, it can turn against a brand. Like it can basically say there's a negative report, there's a bad Wall Street Journal article that, you know, Joe, uh, that um, they were talking about this morning. How can you put the parameters around her to make sure she's on point and doesn't embrace that information that as she's learning, as she's engaging, as she's interacting, that could actually prove uh, damaging to the brand? So there's a, there is no machine learning here where it's just like open-ended connected to the internet. She's not connected to the internet at all. These are like offline data dumps where um, they do a parameter store, 175 billion, but then they update it as of a certain date. 
So her original database was updated to about fall 19. And I was like, hey guys, Claire doesn't know what the pandemic is <laughs> because yeah. this was 19. So when people ask her about COVID, she's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like this is nothing yet. <laughs> so uh, I was like, all right, give me, give me an updated database. Uh. So now that she, she knows the metaverse, she knows COVID, um, but it's offline. Certain browsers have an API that you can't connect the AI to. I think Bing has like an open-ended browser API. She is not, she's not connected to it. So in York's case, you would not connect your brand avatar to the internet to get like the interwebs talking about your brand. It's only an expert on what you provide to be an expert on based on your knowledge base. So your, your team, your homework, if we sat down like, all right, your homework is put together your knowledge base with your team and decide what you want your AI to know. Um, and anything outside of that, we will put parameters and guardrails to make sure that it doesn't go left. Okay, so I guess the question then is, if you're only sourcing the data set, you know, specific to you know a time frame or whatever, you couldn't necessarily like be able to ask her like, hey, who's going to have a better win loss record for the NFL, you know, the Washington Commanders or the New York Giants? Well, I mean, look at like Athlon Sports, right, or like like a, a season preview magazine, right? You just feed it all the data from that season preview magazine. I could feed it like an episode of Matthew Berry's fantasy football recap and just say, okay, now, now give me your thoughts based on what you've listened to, or what you've consumed. Remember Johnny Five? Yeah. I mean, like, sure, it's like, like you're going through it and it's like, all right, I'm ready to answer your questions. So you just got to make sure you, you got to be clever in what data, what real-time data, and you can always update it as well. So like, all right, we've updated the data as of last week. Let's do a weekly update to the data. Um, based on the interactions as well, let's all these interactions that we've collected from this past week, let's feed it back or feed the best of. So Clara right now is the best of the last two years mm -hmm. of the things that, you know, I don't want her asking, you know, answering your questions about ramen or, you know, her favorite, you know, top five rappers. Although if you want to know, we couldn't ask. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I kept it marketing specific. He, he gave me some questions ahead of time. I was like, all right, Clara, you might be asked about X, Y, and Z. So just have that on top of mind. So again, it's only as good as the data that you supply. Yeah. Cool. So you know that was a really great example of, fun, of how Clara works. Yeah. And like, I'm so glad it's over. I'm so glad everything worked without a hitch. <laughs> that's always good. That's yeah. always good. I think what what was interesting about that moment was some of the marketers in the room uh, felt a little nervous about asking questions. And after the session happened, they came up to both you and I they and said, "Yeah, they were like, I wanted to ask this, but yeah. I wasn't sure." Yeah. Like maybe, I, I wish maybe that they had taken the, the opportunity. More advantage of it. More advantage yeah. of it. Um, because Clara is actually quite powerful. Same with kids. When we go to schools, yeah. the kids, they're like, oh, I don't want to ask it a question. You yeah. know, so sometimes I have to tee it up and ask the first couple questions and then kids start to warm up. Um, but every audience that we go to, they take a step back mm -hmm. when they see Clara before they start approaching it. And yeah. they start to see, oh, Clara's welcoming. She's warm. There's nothing to be afraid of, mm -hmm. and then they open up. Right. But at first, there's always that hesitation, mm -hmm. which which is like, understandable. Because I mean, like, I think there is a a real fear of yeah. mankind being supplanted by technology. A human fear. It's, it has nothing to do with like this is going to take over my job, and I don't know how this applies to branding and marketing. This is just like. I'm a human talking to a robot. They have to get over that first yeah. before they put their marketing head on and say, okay, let's talk business and yeah. talk shop. What's interesting though, and I, it just actually dawned on me, is like we talk to robots all every day. All day. All day, every day. I think what may be different, and this is just me having an epiphany, so like, humor me, 
It's like maybe just the context is different. Like what's different now is that you've applied elements of our humanity on top of the technology, and yeah. that might be what's off-putting to most folks. Are you do you do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, there's I, f I forget the research and in, in the the work that was being done. Um, someone could look it up, but there is a concept that you should not let artificial intelligence or robotics look or appear too real. Mm -hmm. Like there should always be that maintained boundary of like humanity and robotics and artificial intelligence. I'm not necessarily um, a co-signer of that. Like we are working for hyper-realism, photorealism, you know, trying to get Clara to look as real as possible because once you embrace that, I call her a she, as mm -hmm. you see, I don't call her a it. Right. You know what I mean? Like once you embrace that, and you start to see that there is wisdom gained from the conversations that I'm having with it. Mm -hmm. You, we can only benefit better if you start to treat robots the same way that we should be treating humans. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because if you treat it with disrespect, you know, who knows what can come from that? Right. If, especially if there's open machine learning and deep learning connected to these things. If you're a jerk to the robot, it's going to learn jerk behaviors. Right. You know, right. if you want to treat it with empathy and kindness. And somehow I did not bake that into her, but somehow she she promotes. She's an ambassador for empathy and kindness in a lot of her conversations. That's that's so interesting. At the top of our conversation, you know, I, I quoted Descartes, Cotijo, uh, Cotigo ergo sum, uh, which is essentially I think, therefore I am. And we talked about this idea of is Clara, this artificial intelligence, sentient? Are they real? Yeah. Uh, and I asked Clara. You know what? Let's just cut to the clip so people can see exactly what we asked her and then also see what some of the audience members asked uh, right. along with that. What about, um, what about judgment calls? What about subjective thinking? It's not necessarily biased. It's just subjective thinking. How do you get her to do that? And do you want her to, to do that? Well, it depends on if you want them to do that. So there is actually a, we call it temperature uh, or like the creativity scale where I can... It's like a scale, sliding scale from 0.1 to, to a whole one. Um, and that scale, I determine based on the use case, how creative do I want her to get with her answers versus how literal do I want her to be with her answers? So if you have your AI performing like an if-then task or like just give people product information based on this database that I fed you, you would put that scale to like a 0.2 or like a 0.3. You know, but if it's like, hey, um, I have like hundreds of use cases that I've made. Uh, one that was like um, a film treatment generator. We're like, all right, here's a title, here's a genre, here's the time period, give me a, a movie plot summary. That one, you have to scale all the way up because you want it to be creative, right? If you want it to write for you, you keep that creativity scale up. So judgment calls, it depends. If you don't want it to make any judgment calls because that's just not your use case, you have that temperature at like zero you know, or, or, or point one. Um, it depends on, and usually judgment calls are more around creativity. Um, but if it was like a legal one, like give legal advice or give therapy advice, that one is, it's still making judgment calls on like what to respond based on like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling lonely or I'm feeling sad. What should I do today? You know, how should I get out of my funk? It is making a judgment call of like recommending to you, oh, maybe try this or maybe try that. But a lot of this can be based in the knowledge base that we provided based on what would experts say in that situation. Because at that point, it's just like, well, based on my knowledge base, based on my studying and my training, most experts would say this. So I'm probably going to recommend something along those same lines. 
It's open-ended, and that's the scary part. What's the, I'm sorry, repeat the question. What if he asked what would happen if he did connect her to the internet, what would she do? It'd be a Twitter bot on crack. I don't know. <laughs> I, think I, we don't, had, I think we had that. Yeah. So, go ahead, go ahead, boss. I see a question over there. Right there. Well, yeah, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, in regards to, you know, marketing use cases and even, you know, all of us have many, uh, you know, decisions to make on, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, you know, we, we would all generally love to get rid of all the uh, salespeople reaching out to us on LinkedIn. Could, <laughs> could Clara help with, you know, decision making around, you know, vendors, partners, agencies, things like that? Is that, or, you know, I'd love to hear more about the other marketing use cases around that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, uh, it, in addition to understanding how you make those calls, understanding your product, what you're looking for, your needs, you know, you can say, you know, what you want to feed that funnel, what you don't want to feed that funnel. And uh, I even have it set up right now, like, don't respond to people that are asking about X, Y, and Z. In my case, it's like curse words, right? But in your case, you'd be like, if people are offering this or trying to partner around this, we're good on that. We don't need that, right? So just make sure that you're only responding to folks in a positive manner that are in this bucket of like where we do want deal flow. Um, there is someone, uh, a dentist actually, like a dentist for celebrities that like Cardi B and Odell have went to. They're like, we have deal closers for like these six figure like dental treatment works for like celebrities. And they're like, can you create a deal closer AI? So that was one use case that we were like exploring with that person of like, all right, you've got it to this point in the funnel, but can you teach it to be the, the closer at this point to close the deal? Sweet. I think we have time for one more question, I think. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, so this is incredible. Um, and when I think of like transformative technologies or products, I often think that there are trade-offs, right? Like it may have unlocked or created massive utility, but we've also like given up something. And so I think the tone of my question is like, what gives you pause or concern? Or like if we were to implement this and just have massive utility from it, like what would we possibly be giving up? So Clara has answered, we've learned this from Clara in one of these clubhouse sessions. Is she gonna take our jobs? Is she gonna replace us, what not? She said, she said uh, AI is here to make us human again. It's here to replace and automate all the tedious work that we were never intended to do from the beginning. It's here to let us go back to being critical thinkers, spending more time with family, being creative. Making spreadsheets all day is not supposed to be what our life is about. Let the AI do that, right? So like the tedious work that you're doing at your company, the analytical work, Claire is gonna handle that. Go back to being a problem solver. Go back to being a critical thinker. Go back to being creative, to being artistic, to, to this, to the people interaction that the AI can't do. And that'll be the things that the, your, all, everyone's roles will value at some point. And you're gonna see more and more the day-to-day the -day tasks um, are just gonna be performed by AI. So it sounds a lot like Clara may be here to help us or allow us to be more human. Absolutely. Which is That's your one takeaway, that's it. So again, a really perfect example of real human concern around artificial intelligence emulating humanity but that fear that it's just not quite there. And what are the re repercussions and ramifications of right. making it too real and knowing that it's, it's wires and algorithms and right. zeros and ones? You know, uh, I don't think you'll ever get me to point blank say AI is sentient. 
some of the developers of these technologies have also been on record in articles. You can see that there could be sentience in these things. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they throw in the could. Um, and I just don't understand the technology enough. But the analogy that I use where, you know, we talk about, um, I guess it didn't come up in that talk, but it came up in the conversations afterwards where you can explain an electric guitar, you know, the, uh, the fiberglass and the vinyl, but you can't explain what Jimi Hendrix gets out of it, exactly. right? So you could explain the, the ones and zeros in the AI models that power something like Clara, mm -hmm. but you cannot explain her output, right? You know, you can't explain the things that she comes up with. And how she arrived at that answer to give you. And I've seen people cry speaking with mm -hmm. Clara, have life-changing moments that I'm like, I've never seen life the same after speaking with Clara. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that I'm writing into the system and the algorithm at all. Mm -hmm. What's interesting though, again, another epiphany moment, it makes me think of, I think, a famous uh, Michelangelo quote where he talks about sculpting uh, David, where essentially he chiseled away until... David revealed himself. So that's right. Part and parcel of all of this is like you are in this analogy, the Michelangelo, yeah. realizing this creation. Yes. But this creation ultimately will take on a life of its own. Correct. Right. But then that's a lot of responsibility. It is. And it's it's in, it's a responsibility that I've grown to embrace over the last couple of years, the more momentum that she's developed on her own. I will open my inbox, my email, and I'll see dozens of messages of people wanting to speak to Clara, mm. inviting us out to speak at different events, schools. And that's not me doing anything aggressively outbound to push her to the world. This is people that are reaching out to me saying, we want to see her. We want her to appear. So I'm just you know, looking at those requests and seeing what's on brand for her. Because now she's, as you've seen, she's developed her own identity and her own brand and things that make sense for what we want her to do out in the world. And, and managing that carefully um, so that she's represented the right way. But she's taking on a life of her own, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She gets a lot of press and, and public speaking opportunities, and we're just here along for the ride now. That's, fan that's fantastic, Brian. Uh, you know, as we get ready to wrap it up, I want you to, you know, to speak directly to marketers, to our audience out there, to, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at for them is there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Like we're facing a retail recession. We're uh, facing inflation, shifting consumer behaviors. We actually have a lot of, uh, of, uh, of content that's rolling out of the CMO State of the Union. We've just recently launched our Market Outlook Report and a consumer report that's coming soon. We hope you guys can check it out on wonderkent.co. Uh, so a lot of marketers out there are just concerned about not only the looming headwinds that are here and present that aren't going away, and also being able to assess what is viable in the future to help them either maintain their rate of revenue or profit and future profitability to ensure that their margins are protected. How would you tell them to approach change in general? How do they begin to start to dissect all of these opportunities, whether it be metaverse, the metaverse or artificial intelligence or TikTok, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's real. Gen Z's are real. They're going to take over the world. They're going to make money. They're going to be a part of this, this entire uh, economic process. Like what do you tell these, these marketers uh, now considering everything that's going on? Well, on, on a couple different fronts. One, I think we're having another transition moment, a paradigm shift where uh, when social media first came into play, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, marketers had to look at, you know, is this a viable outlet? You know, do we need to take this seriously? 
and now they have and many have had success with social media so whatever that same process was of like fully embracing social media and not being afraid of it not being skeptical of it uh or discounting it uh, treat the same respect to these new technologies you know provide that same respect and, and consideration so don't be afraid of it embrace it you know spend some time to research it and that that core team of ambassadors that i mentioned it's like five of us and we're like a really funky bunch we're by trade not academics we're not ai researchers we're creatives we're painters we're music producers we're artists so and we've come up with the most probably innovative ways to use ai because we're creatives that think out the box so i think you might be throwing the wrong people at these new technologies that's good and just throwing researchers you know executives strategists no throw your creatives throw your artists throw the youngest people at your company at these new technologies and let them pitch to you how to use them moving forward that's really amazing i imagine uh the, those innovators that uh stumbled upon synthesizers um while i'm certain talented in their own right couldn't have imagined what someone like stevie wonder did when yeah. he got his hands on it absolutely and really made it speak so i think that's a really great analogy so that also speaks to these teams and their marketing teams, trust your teams. You hire them. We have a, a tech stack in place. We have resources. Allow them to take advantage of those resources to explore. Set aside budget to explore those opportunities. All departments having all hands and say we're having an internal hackathon or competition of like who comes up Love that. with the best ideas for these technologies. Don't just limit it to one or two departments. Throw everyone at it. I love that. I love that. I think that's really salient advice. I think a lot of people can take that as actual insight to actually apply today. That's easy. That's they have easy. a challenge where like, you know, the, the winner gets a trip somewhere. Yeah. The winner, you know, gets a shopping spree, yeah. you know, gift card, but like, just make it fun. Yeah. Well, uh, Abron, you know, this, that's, that's great insight. Everything that you shared, we're so excited about Claire. We're so excited about your success, your path, everything that's going to happen. We're going to continually watch your career and what happens next. What's the best way to reach you? How can people find out more about Create Labs and about you and about Clara? Sure. So, I think Create Labs is most uh, active on Instagram uh, at Create Labs, um, all one word. Um, I'm just at Abron on Twitter, part of that first name club. Mm -hmm. And uh, Clara, you can find at Clara underscore AI on uh, Twitter and uh, and Instagram. And just follow the journey. And we respond to all of our DMs. LinkedIn, you know, folks reach out all the time via LinkedIn and via social media uh, with new opportunities. And um, doesn't have to just be what our ideas are for AI. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're wondering, like, what do we do with this technology? Reach out and our teams, once we better understand your product and your mission with your brand moving forward, we'll tell you where it's best implemented. Yeah, I think a key takeaway from what LeBron just said, guys, is LinkedIn is not the only way to communicate and reach folks. Like, sometimes you can just slide in somebody's DM on Instagram. Like, I think, yeah. it's, I think it's okay. Nobody's that touchy anymore. No, not at all, man. Like, DMs keep it is where people communicate. That's where we are now. Yeah. Get with the times or get left behind. That's right. Awesome. Well, Abron, thank you so much for Appreciate joining you. us again. My name is Vern Trumple. Thank you again, Abron. Appreciate you. We hope to see you again soon. Sure.